0: Rick and I you know, always had a special fondness for, for Terry and Jerome in particular, just because when they were rookies, they weren't playing and you know, they weren't starters all the time yet. And they worked so hard in the summer, and we would work with them and go to little gyms and you know work with them on things. And the, both of them developed into such such terrific players. From the studios of Kink Radio, it's the Portland Fifty a podcast series about the people who dreamt, built and championed the innovation, growth and uniqueness of Portland.
1: The Portland 50 series is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. I'm your host, Peggy LaPointe. Today I talk with Jeff Petrie, the first player drafted by the Portland Trailblazers, and Jeff is also the former senior VP of operations with the Blazers.
0: It was the spring of, uh, actually the spring of 70, in so that draft, the 70 draft, the year I graduated from Princeton, um, and all of a sudden there was this real deep voice on the other end of the phone <laughs> Said, hi, I'm Harry Glickman, and I'm the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers, and we've just made you our first pick so <laughs> that was sort of my first uh introduction to you know the blazers and uh and and harry and just the whole beginnings of you know, what has obviously become a part of the fabric of the community exactly uh, not unlike kink so
1: I, I couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> had you been to the west coast had you been to portland i mean you grew up in pennsylvania you went to princeton
0: actually I had we played in uh, back then they had a, a holiday tournament here called the far west classic mm-hmm. and um, it was either my sophomore or junior year we we came to Portland and played in that mm-hmm. and so we were here for a better part of a week because we pl- played a couple games didn't win a tournament but um, we stayed in the Mallory Hotel
1: Uh, And to Burnside.
0: uh, Yep, I'm on Burnside, and uh, uh, had a tour of the Janssen factory at that time, and uh, so that was my first introduction to Portland. So
1: it wasn't totally a foreign land when you were drafted and came to Portland. Uh, What was that first season like? Uh, It was the first season of the Blazers, so uh, in a way uncharted territory for Portland, and there were a couple other teams that came to be that year. It was Cleveland and
0: Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. It was Buffalo, who then became San Diego, right. who then became, I think, the Houston Rockets. I don't know. It might have been the Clippers. They might have become the Clippers. I don't.
1: They've had a long road, but we've stayed here, thankfully. So that first team with Harry Glickman as the owner and you as one of the fresh new faces.
0: It was uh, for uh, well for me just an opportunity to play in the NBA was a, was a lifelong dream for me as a kid so uh, I was really excited and Portland being one of three expansion teams mm-hmm. uh, that year it was interesting because um, the the Blazers were actually picked to be the worst of the three by the the so-called experts at the time <laughs> of the expansion teams and we did end up being the best which. Still wasn't very good, but yeah, you know, it was just you know with Harry and some of the other people that were there at the time that stayed for a long time. Berlin Hodges was one. George Rickles was another. Mm-hmm. Bill Shaully was the original uh, announcer, and uh, Harry uh, really—it was such a great accomplishment to get a franchise and to bring it to Portland know it was a lot of selling and a lot of promoting uh, because it was brand new to the city and you know we were going out doing promotional things at Dairy Queens and you know <laughs> any place where you, know, you could sort of get some people to come and, and yeah. you could promote the team but it was a really exciting time That's for me and certainly cool. as a rookie when you get to play yeah. and we had an exciting style of play And uh, we ended up winning more games than people thought. Really fortunate to be Rookie of the Year that year. So it was really just the beginnings of what obviously has become, you know, a really successful franchise and part of the fabric here. But a lot of it goes back. And Stu Inman was another really key uh, person in the whole development of the franchise. So, you know, the six years that I was able to play here before I was hurt, it was it was always It was always fun, even with sometimes the frustration of either winning or losing
1: when you mentioned you were out there trying to get people to come to the games and get excitement going for the for the team for the blazers. what was the fan reaction the first year or two? I mean, it was pretty exciting well, because you did so well the first year yeah I,
0: well i I think the interest grew as the season went on. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look back at some of those attendance figures I think. Early on, there were maybe might have been five, six thousand people in mm-hmm. the old Memorial Coliseum. But then, when we were playing the Knicks and the Lakers, who happened to be very good at that time, you know, you were drawing ten, eleven, twelve thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the season went along, uh, just like anything that's new, you know, people really started to to uh, Pay more attention to it and having a major league sport in Portland at that time was, uh, I think, really important for you know, the future of the community and the development of what was going to come over the next you know, 50 years, obviously. But um, yeah, it was just a great time.
1: The Blazers were the first big team to come to Portland. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of focus on a football team or a baseball team. This was the major team in town. Uh, for many years, decades even. Yeah.
0: Well, in, in reality, it still is. I yeah. mean, it's the only major league sport. I mean, I'm um, soccer has has been very popular. Harry had a minor league hockey team. I, yeah. I don't know if they're still here or not. But the Winter term, Hawks are here. And yeah. in, in terms of um, you know one of the three major uh, professional sports mm-hmm. having it, and there are some real advantages. And having spent my whole career in in uh, small market relatively small market cities, and with only one professional team, which is Portland and Sacramento, I I do think that that there's a, uh, when the franchises are run right, that there is a a community pride and community involvement and loyalty that is a little harder to maintain in some of the other bigger markets where there's a lot more competition.
1: Exactly, exactly. You glossed over uh, something that we should give a little bit more attention to and that is you were rookie of the year the first year Uh, that's first year in blazer history well blazer operation and you know it's kind of a big deal
0: well I was just really fortunate um like I say I I always wanted to be a ball player um (laughs) you know even at Princeton I mean which I'm glad I went there I got a great education but I still wanted to be a, prof- a professional basketball player, um, and I actually was co-rookie because Dave Cowens right. from Boston was also uh, a rookie that year um, with with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we had a wide-open style with Roland Todd, and um, I think I grew as the season went along, and we won more games than people thought. Uh, I had some some pretty good games in some of the bigger markets when we played there. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate, but also very grateful that uh, it turned out that way.
1: Right, right. Well, there have been four uh, Rookie of the Year Blazers, and you're the first one, then Sidney Wicks. Was yeah. that the next year? A that was. Uh, he,
0: we, yeah, he won it the year after yep, I won it.
1: Yep, And then uh, Brandon Roy and Damian Lillard, of course. Uh, you also held the Blazers' individual scoring record for one game uh, at 51 until Damon Stademark came around with 54 in 2005. So that's a pretty long record to hold, too.
0: Yeah, I guess there's a little asterisk to that. I played when <laughs> there was no three-point shot. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, um, <laughs> and know. there is a funny story behind that 51 is that that was against the Houston Rockets, and uh, we had – played Houston in Houston before the game in Portland, and I had 51 points in that game. Mm -hmm. And they they had a player named Mike Nolan, uh, who defensively was well thought of. And um, after that game, he said, well, he'll never do that again. So it was maybe a month or six (laughs) weeks later in Portland, I had 51 again against Houston. So. Did you have that in the back of your mind? It was a little ironic. Yeah. (laughs) Did you
1: have that in the back of your mind, though? Not really. It just turned out that way. Okay. It was just sweet, poetic (laughs) justice. (laughs) Uh, So uh, six years in Portland, and then traded to the Hawks, uh, and then injured, and that kind of Well, you had a number of surgeries on your knee.
0: Yeah, I ended up having five or six surgeries on my uh, my left knee and I never did play for the Hawks I was yeah. on their injury reserve for a couple of years but never actually played in a game so that, that was a tough time yeah um, definitely wasn't ready to have my career prematurely end but that's the way it turned out right and um, but fortunately I mean I was able to get back into the game and ended up you know having a chance to work for the Blazers again and yeah grew into being uh, general manager and vice president and then went on to Sacramento and spent 20 years as the vice president of basketball down there. So um, all things considered, uh, again, if somebody would have told me when I was 18 years old, this is what's going to happen in basketball for you, I would have said, I I can't believe that's Mm -hmm. going to happen. Yeah, tough going through it at the
1: time, but looking back, it all sort of worked out for the best. So you mentioned you came back to the Blazers. You came back in uh, 85 and worked with Bill Shonley uh, doing uh, commentating uh, on the radio. And then uh, you worked as a coach for a little bit. uh, And then, as you mentioned, GM and VP. What was that like? Going, you know, you were out of basketball for a while after your surgeries came back and progressed your way uh, up to the Blazer organization.
0: Well, I really have to you know, acknowledge um two people there one was John Spolstra and and then the second was Harry Glickman mm-hmm. again for um you know giving me the opportunity um John initially with the radio and working with Bill and and it also was at a time where um you know the Blazers were transitioning into a championship level team mm-hmm. um, and uh and then when Rick Adelman became Coach and Rick and I were roommates, right? Um, in the first couple of years of the Blazers, um, but uh, I mean Harry, you know, he called me in the office and put the collective bargaining agreement down on the on a table and said "I want you to read this and come back in a week and tell me what what you think." Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, that that was a great thing about working for the Blazers. They had an infrastructure there and. Um, you know where you you could learn and grow into something new and and better and and then after Paul Allen bought the team, you know he gave me an opportunity to run the basketball right and
1: uh you know we had we
0: had some tremendous years there um again, it was a team that probably deserved to win the championship, but you know it, and I had the same situation happen in sacramento <laughs> uh but sometimes it you know there's it just doesn't work out that way,
1: going back to Harry Glickman. It sounds like uh, it was, a, in many ways, a family atmosphere. I mean, this was a dream that he uh, worked hard to create um, and was at the helm of it for for a number of decades. Uh, and I've heard only great stories about him.
0: I think Terry was very loyal. I mean, I don't know that people really appreciate um, how much effort and... Um, it took to convince not only um, the the original owners to put up the money, Mm -hmm. um, which was Larry Weinberg and Herman Sarkowski and another fellow from New Jersey. It might have been Bob Weinstein. I I might not have that right. But anyway, just to, to put that all together and then convince the NBA league office that Portland would be a viable NBA citizens, uh, city because I mean coming from the east, when I was in the east if I said well where do you live I say I live in Portland, they go you mean Portland, Maine don't you mm-hmm. uh, th- it? It, it just there wasn't a lot of name recognition no, uh, nationally at that time now there certainly is now
1: I was going to say in the 70s really not at
0: all and uh, so the Blazers I think really as time went on were a real entree into you know Portland being hey that's a really cool place Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, put Portland on the map in many ways. And then um, you mentioned Rick Adelman. You were roommates with him and played with him and then had him as your coach, as your GM. That must have been kind of neat to be able to go back and work with one of your former teammates.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rick and I have a, a, have a long history together in basketball and, and just uh, and being teammates having a uh you know coach GM relationship and mm-hmm. um and it happened in Portland it happened in Sacramento I mean, we, we won a lot of games together yeah. and uh and I, I I really think Rick is one of the best coaches that probably hasn't had the type of acknowledgement that he deserves and um really had one of the best minds for free, free-flowing offense um uh, of all the coaches I've been around mm-hmm. um and uh, so we had, we had some great years together, a lot of fun times, a lot of exciting times. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those life stories that now when you're older, um, you look back on and say, hey, you know, it's, it, 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 we, were, we were really a good team.
1: You're listening to King's Portland 50 Series. I'll continue my conversation with Jeff Petrie in a moment, but I wanted to thank our sponsor. The Portland 50 series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950. Now back to my conversation with Jeff Petrie, the first player drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. This is about the time that I moved to Portland, uh, shortly after I moved to Portland, when um, the Blazers were doing so well couple of Western Conference Finals, uh, and then the NBA Final. I mean, the team of Clyde Drexler, uh, Kevin Duckworth, Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, uh, Cliff Robinson, Buck Williams. I mean, those are names that people who have been in the, in Portland in the 90s, they're beloved.
0: Yeah, and, and I think they should, I mean, it's it's just natural to, um, they were so much fun to watch. Um, they were very athletic. uh and Clyde was you know, an unbelievable player. But then you had Terry, who was just a terrific player in his own right and really st- stable and smart, and Jerome, who was a guy that never got tired. Mm-hmm. And Rick and I uh, you know, always had a special fondness for, for Terry and Jerome in particular just because when they were rookies, they weren't playing, and you know, they weren't starters all the time yet, and they worked so hard in the summer, and we would work with them and go to little gyms and you know work with them on things, and the, both of them developed into such such terrific players mm. um, and just fun fun people to be around and I was obviously very sad when Jerome passed away um, but I'm really glad to see Terry back coaching up at the University of Portland yeah got a challenge on his hands, but I'm sure he'll end up doing a really good job.
1: Well, and they were beloved by Portland. Uh, and I can't quite put my finger on on it, but charming, is that the word I'm I'm thinking of? They were just so endearing. Yeah. Uh, well, I remember ways.
0: after, I think it was after we lost to Detroit in the finals that, we're, and, and that was a team that kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody thought mm-hmm. at the beginning of that season that the Blazers would end up in the NBA finals, but on top of Clyde and Jerome and 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 uh, Terry, I mean the trade for Buck Williams really was the final piece that um put that team over the top in terms of being at an elite level in the league. But I remember when we came back, um, Paul and the organization we had a rally down here at Pioneer Square. I that. Yeah. And it was just so electric down yeah. there. Uh and, of course, the next year we had the best record in the league but lost in the conference final to the Lakers. Um, that was hard. And then the next year we went to the finals again against Chicago with Michael Jordan. And it, it's funny how it works out that way. I mean, the, the, the best team uh, was probably the middle year when we had the best record. Uh-huh. But it, it doesn't always work out that you get to the finals or, or win a title. But... Uh, we were probably the most consistent. Yeah. Um, I, I, and Danny Ainge was on that team. That's right. Also, because we, we traded for him. Um,
1: and he later became a coach. Right. With the Blazers.
0: So, uh, but I think we were 27-3 and 3 or something in January and just really rolling.
1: Mm-hmm. No, those were some, those were a number of years in a row that there was a lot of
0: Right. Red hot and rolling, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> so that was in the early 90s. After that, uh, you moved down to Sacramento for a number of years. Uh, I,
0: I went to Sacramento in 94, the mm-hmm. summer of 94, and then I was there until uh, the summer of 13.
1: Right, almost two so, decades. Um,
0: that was that was it was a totally different situation there yeah. because they didn't have the infrastructure or the stability of ownership um, Leading up to that point, that, mm-hmm. that uh, Portland always had was you know Larry Weinberg and then Paul and um, and they were really struggling. But you know we did turn it around right away down there. They hadn't won 25 games in ten or around 25 games for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the owner that hired me, Jim Thomas, he said, well, "I don't, I don't I don't want somehow you got to win more games. <laughs> 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 I don't want to hear about." getting worse to getting better mm-hmm. you know? um, so we we almost made it, we missed the playoffs by one year the first year I was there and made it the second year and then we lost a really good player to Portland Brian Grant and we had no way to replace him and so we, we fell off for a couple years but then you know, we were able to put together the team with Chris Weber and Vladi right. and Peja and Doug Christie and Jason Williams and Mike Bibby and that whole crew. They were an incredibly uh, talented group and people have always asked me, well, what was the difference between uh, the Sacramento team and the Portland teams? Well, first of all, we didn't get to the finals Mm -hmm. twice, but we we had the best record in the league. And Probably in general, from a basketball standpoint, you'd just say, well, the Sacramento team was probably a little more skillful But the uh, Portland team was a lot more athletic, um, and uh, probably a little bit tougher. Um, But they were both great, great teams, and the style of play that we had in Sacramento sort of captured the imagination of because we had a couple really good players from Serbia and Vladi and Pages, so we had an international flavor to that and. it was very reminiscent of the way the city responded in Sacramento as the way it was here in Portland.
1: And you mentioned both sort of smaller market teams where the community sort of rallied around them. Taking away your time in Portland, either as a player, um, as a broadcaster or coach or GM, what are some of your favorite stories or memories or experiences that you can Tell us about, that maybe you haven't told anybody else?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> okay.
1: Maybe that you shared only a few times.
0: <laughs> well, I, I have a, a great, great fondness for Portland, um, even though I haven't lived here for you know 20-some years. But my kids were all born here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a bunch of great friends uh, outside of basketball and... Uh, and, you know, had a had a lifestyle here, um, you know, with hunting and fishing and golfing and um, that for a lot of the years wasn't consumed by a 24-7, uh, you know, president of basketball operations right. type position. But, um, and then I've been fortunate again in Sacramento just to be in a, you know, the climate in California is a, a real positive thing, but... um yeah, you know, I I met my my wife Anne Marie here. She worked for Kink. Mm-hmm. I worked with and, her years ago. You know, I've always had a great interest in music, and at that time, and, and I'm sure it still is. But Kink was so dynamic in the community then, and and um, with the True to music and the Mount Hood Festival of Jazz, and and Les Sarnoff and Rebecca Webb. And, mm-hmm you know, they just had an eclectic format that sort of covered rock and soul and pop and folk and, and n- you know, new artists. And um, it was you know, it was just all sort of part of the whole vibe, you know, that uh, uh, made living here uh, really, really, really pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some people get... You know, the weather can get you down a little bit sometimes, but um, there's so so much to do and was so much to do. Um, I mean, again, you get further up the road, you look back on that and say, hey, those were really, really great times.
1: Yeah. Have you thought about moving back? You have kids here, grandkids.
0: Uh,
1: Not as much sunshine as Sacramento. Yeah, we, well, I don't <laughs> know about that.
0: Um, I think we probably will move at some point where 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 that will be. Um, sometimes inertia takes over. <laughs> 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 That's <laughs> and, certainly true. <laughs> and uh and we definitely plan on spending more time up here.
1: Yeah. Do you miss basketball or are you enjoying your retirement? A little bit of um
0: course. I guess it's like being a you know like maybe like being a general or something every once in a while you are like well I, you know, I wouldn't mind having one last tour of the battlefield.
1: Uh-huh exactly <laughs> one last shot.
0: But um in general uh I don't miss a lot of it um and that's not because I didn't enjoy it or didn't like, actually loved it um but all the years of um Staying up till midnight or later, watching games or going to your games or being in a sports bar and Timbuktu at one in the morning because your game's on late. Mm-hmm. On the you know, you're on the, you're watching a West Coast game and it's not over till right. two in the morning. Um,
1: it's all consuming.
0: Yeah, it's all consuming. Yeah. And uh, so now you have the. I guess, the freedom of time to do other things other than that.
1: And go to your grandson's basketball game.
0: That and just uh, not have to worry about what you you have to do the next day. Exactly. Or be ready to do what you have to do.
1: And you wouldn't have had time to come in here and talk to me. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me for the Portland 50. I really appreciate you literally taking a lot of time because you live in Sacramento and you happen to be in Portland come into the studio today.
0: Yeah, Peggy, it was was a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you you for joining me for my conversation with Jeff Petrie. If you've missed any of the previous podcasts, you can find them at our website at kink.fm. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Portland 50 podcast wherever you're listening. The Portland 50 is a podcast series celebrating King's 50th anniversary, and it's about the people who dreamt, built, and championed the innovation, growth, and uniqueness of Portland. The series is presented by Jaguar Land Rover Portland. One company, two iconic brands. Jaguar Land Rover Portland is a Don Rasmussen company, the legendary Portland institution serving our community since 1950.